Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yeah, like, have you been to Oklahoma? Like, it's it's definitely the kind of place where you, you pray for some meth. <laughs> you know, people from every state are like, like if you're really from the state, they're, you're usually irrationally proud of your own state, and I get it. Like I love yeah. Louisiana, and I know Louisiana has plenty of flaws and stuff, but it's a great place, and we love it. And uh, but people from Oklahoma are really fucking proud of Oklahoma, and you kind of go there, and you're like, why? Like, <laughs> I don't understand. Like, there's nothing. Yeah, it, it's not a pretty state. Yeah. It, it's. When you, the yeah. eastern part getting into Arkansas, it's better, but western Oklahoma is it's wretched. Yeah, because we have um, uh, my wife's family, family. She has family up in Kansas, so we'll drive up there for family reunions. So we'll drive straight up from Texas through Oklahoma to Kansas. Oh. Oklahoma's a wasteland. I mean, that, that drive is just awful. Yeah. I'll, I will I, take y'all's word for it. I've yeah. Never- remotely been to that part of the country. You know, you know, hey, look, and I stopped at Norman so I could, you know, check out the university, you know. It's pretty campus. Stadium. It's pretty yeah, campus, I would you know. go to see Memorial Stadium and all that. I mean, there's a lot of history. But, yeah, it's uh, there's some casinos, and, and I support gambling. But uh, There is that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Big I mean, the Texas will keep out so that their, your people keep coming to Louisiana to do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not happy about that because uh, I'd much rather drive to Shreveport than Oklahoma to gamble. Because uh, um, Oklahoma, first off, they make you pay an ante for every bet, and that's ridiculous. But also, no free alcohol, and that is un-American. That's bullshit. Exactly. If I'm gambling, I'm already engaged in bad habits, and you want me making bad decisions. Like you need me making bad decisions. You need to give me some free alcohol. So God, I'd really never go to a casino if you didn't get free alcohol. Yeah, no. I know I'm going there to win money. You might as well just give me free drinks. <laughs> no, that's exactly my attitude. Oh, I'm not a. I'm, pay- I'm paying for my drinks in my in my mind. <laughs> yeah, Oklahoma, a, a state which requires you to buy drinks at the casinos. That's just that's wrong. It's wrong, people. Hey. And that's why that was the best thing about Wisconsin is that the drinks were the cheapest drinks. And I'm sure Dan can can vouch for this. Like we would go to bars and they'd tell us our tab and we'd be like, y'all are screwing this up. We just (laughs) bought like eight drinks and it was like 20 bucks. That that can't be right. That's gorgeous. That is a very Louisiana thing, though, to rate states on the, you know, the level of alcohol (laughs) availability. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, welcome to the Sneaky Good Podcast, because I'm assuming Dan's recording right now with special And the Valley Shook guest, Billy. Yeah. I'm the one talking about booze. finally have a guest it's been what like 
a long time. Yeah, we're antisocial. We don't like people. Well, we That's can, not true. We can barely keep our like own people. dates, much less uh, yeah. bring guests. <laughs> yeah, more accurately, I don't like people. Dan's fine with people. It's really me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's almost football season, so. But yeah, they opened up camp, so we figured we should at least you know talk to someone who knows what's going on. And if nothing else, we'll fake it. So that's the truth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've got so much to talk about after you know three days of practice. It was well, fun. I joke, but we actually do. <laughs> yeah, but I was gonna say it's been a pretty eventful first three days. Yeah, a lot of shit has gone down three days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty much. first off, the big cat drill is dead, and that makes me sad. Oh, I even missed that. That happened. Yeah, yeah, Knocked the big cat oh, drill. Oh. Ed, Ed, Ed got rid of that pretty much in the spring and was like, yeah, no, we're not doing that yeah, anymore. He, yeah, and it's officially dead now. And that, that makes me sad. I knew it was going to happen. It's one of those things that you know, like, this is going to happen. But even when it still happens, a little bit of sadness. So yeah. so I'm going to pour one out for the big cat. It essentially become a made-for-TV drill. Exactly. That's yeah. what was great about it. <laughs> <laughs> what was funny was when it happened, I joked about uh, – because the, the last couple times I'd gone to practice, and, and obviously I, I got to go a little bit during my my uh, un, my fun employment odyssey, but you know they would let the, let the reporters in the practice. They start a few things, and then they would line up for for Big Cat, and you would just see this sprint of of the beat reporters with their iPads and their phones like up over their heads to try and get into the crowd to get a good shot. So I, I joked. I was like, "Oh God, Jim Kleinpeter's not gonna get his exercise anymore." That was like his thing: was sprinting <laughs> over there to make sure he'd get that good shot. Man, of course, now they can't even go to practice anymore, or at least during camp they can't go to practice at all. So, <laughs> yeah, but we're still allowed to tweet about it, which make which puts us ahead of Texas. So, yeah. Well, you know what's funny? Actually, there's a lot of different angles of this that I find very, very entertaining. The first thing is what they actually banned the reporters from doing was something most of them didn't want to do anyway. And most of them just complained about, oh, God, we got to stand out here in the heat because they're only getting 20 minutes of practice. They're not really getting to see anything other than get some B-roll shots of, you know, quarterbacks throwing passes and stuff like that, which is essentially what LSU is providing now is exactly the footage that, you know, WAFB and, and WBRZ would have been shooting. But they've doubled the amount of time players are available for interviews and, and Ogeron's having two press conferences a week instead of one. So they've essentially just shifted it around. But what's funny was when it first happened, a lot of people complained. And then as soon as media people started complaining, it turned really quickly and everybody was like, oh, screw you reporters for complaining about it. Well, yeah, because no one likes the media at the end of the day. That's, <laughs> that's why we exist. That dynamic that we really are a tick on the body politic of the media. Just blood-sucking, completely unhelpful. I'm so, proud. Well, I'm so proud of us. I feel like they were mad. Too. Media members were mad, too, just because it's easy copy, you know? Oh, here's the, here's the video. They practiced today. I think it cool. was more just the power aspect of it, more just the how dare you tell us that we can't go. Yeah. Well, I think part of it is the power thing, but also – Look, it's it's the beginning of practice. We've we've come through the long dark winter. They want to have content. That's what feeds the whole beast. So they want to have at least like 10 15 minutes of access just so they can pretend, "Hey, look everybody, here's here's football." And get everybody all excited. 
And so they don't need good content right now. They just need any content. And aside aside from the video, all they were really doing was taking attendance and who's here and who's in a non-contact jersey. And that's basically it. Like I actually joked, I think, on Twitter, you know, y'all could just shout over the fence and say and get them the the answer present. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can't I can't muster like energy to be angry about it, really. I mean, it's whatever, like. I mean, I find the paranoia silly, but it's a harmless kind of silly. I knew it would be received the way it was because, like, it comes across as, like, a strike at the media, even though, like you said, you know, he's opening up access. He's still going to give, you know, weekly practice access. There's more interviews, so he's probably giving them better opportunities for content, honestly, but it still comes across, like. And that's honestly, like, at this point. The media access, because even like the access that other schools give, it's like, hey, here's 15 minutes of practice. Now get out. Um, but it's about media relations. It's it's the yeah. PR hit. It just it's it just wasn't well handled, and it, it just goes to s- sometimes coaches are so intent on you know their paranoia of total control they forget that they're really reliant on the media to push out their message. It's free advertising. It's Part of your job is media relations. Actually, it's a big part of your job. And well, <laughs> LSU's had some cuts in that yes, area. Yes, LSU's been bad. LSU has been genu- genuinely bad at media relations. And so it's not that it's an important issue. That's why you should just get it right because it's not important. If you if you would have gone to the media and say, okay, hey, look, this is what we're going to do. What do you guys want? And then unveiled a policy that had their fingerprints in it and gave them some bit of ownership, then they can't bitch about it. It's, it's more that it just comes down as a decree. Yeah. If, well, and the thing is that they, they, they said, I think, I guess a couple of days later, like, well, we're going to let y'all in once the season starts for the, you know, just week to week practices. And people were like, well, that's walking it back. Technically they always said, Camp practices are closed. They never said all practices. Yeah, and, but, but that's also the kind of thing that you need to spell out. In yeah, your technically, as a you're making an argument. Three, stop it. If you're making an argument that's well, technically, I said you've already lost the media game. Now you can be totally yeah. right. A lot of times, the person who's making the technical argument is correct, but that doesn't oh, no. play they, as they well. They just explained it. I think it doesn't well, play as well as 140 it characters. Still goes back to it. Still goes back to the messaging aspect, and you screwed up that. That that a simple extra line of camp practices will be closed, practices afterwards will be open, and boom, you you've explained it, and you you avoid this situation, and people would probably understand. I think even media would be like, I don't like this, but I get it. You're installing a new offense. You don't want anyone to see anything. And also, if you if you lead it off, hey, more interview time. Like, give them the good stuff first. <laughs> I think it's weird too because it's. A departure from what we've seen from Ogeron basically since he took the interim gig because he's been so good at the PR aspect. Yeah, like, I agree. And handling yeah. the message. So I yeah. suspect I suspect the screw up was not out of football ops. And that's all I'll say about that, because I work with these people. <laughs> and so I'll keep my mouth shut. Well, yeah. As well, to who screwed it up. <laughs> we have said it many times that LSU has a very bad press department. Sorry, Billy. Um we're just oh, not, I don't work there anymore. We're not good at pushing our, our message. And a lot of those media wars, LSU loses because it just seems that LSU is always caught flat-footed. Like they're not going to expect that there's going to be these PR battles. 
Um, you can see it last year with the hurricane game, you know, with, with Florida, Florida had their, their media messaging was on point. They had everybody lined up saying the same thing. And I don't see everybody's just kind of all over the place and they couldn't get out a consistent unified message. And at that point you've lost the battle of words. I have voiced these issues to various stakeholders within the university. That's all I will say. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we don't, we're not trying to put you on the spot. But. No, I'm not. You, y'all, I'm, they don't listen to me. They're not going to listen to me now. <laughs> please name and them this, all right now. Yeah, this, please name. <laughs> yes, we want names. We're going to go to their house. Ha- uh, <laughs> but now, okay, we're now, what, three days into camp? We are. And what are – Let's just kind of start with the roster. What is looking like our big issues? I guess we should talk about the big news, of course, is apparently our players are all growing. They've all got taller. Well, yeah, <laughs> I noticed that. I'm very, I'm very excited about that. The human growth hormone works. It's good for them um, to hit puberty. Danny Etling <laughs> is now six foot three instead of six foot one. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, like we were joking, they added a vertebrae in his surgery. Um, I will say Kevin Tolliver, when you saw pictures of him, I was like, yeah, I think y'all might be short him a little bit, actually. And he grew and he technically grew two inches. According to his roster. Yeah. Yeah. Titan. But then so, like I said, you see pictures of him and it's like, wow, he's huge. Yeah, he he looks scary. I'm just gonna um the pictures online of Tolliver, he he yeah, he terrifies me. I think he's hiding under kids' beds and doubling as the boogeyman right now. <laughs> He's a big dude. <laughs> he really is. He's a yeah. He, he he's a big guy. Uh, he like a, a couple of them that like oof. Oh, he he yeah. So uh, he must work out. But I would say right now the biggest camp battle right now is has now suddenly become the offensive line. Um, with all the defections off the line, um, really before it was just losing depth. Uh, it was a, there were names that left, but. Really, no one had left that was a starter. Uh, everybody was just a, uh, maybe Willie Allen one day was going to be a starter, but he hadn't ever even appeared in a game yet. Um, the one say, guy who I think would be competing now was George Brown, but he technically left last year. So, yeah. yeah. So it was mainly he just lost depth. So that was very – they were very sustainable losses, particularly for this roster. I think Willie Allen was more a problem two years from now, not a problem now. Um, but, of course, this week we had our first – Real problem on the offensive line with uh, Maya Tuhama, um first being suspended and now leaving the program. Yeah. Well, and he's he was the one guy you didn't want to lose because he could play two positions. So it, his his leaving doesn't affect guard so much because they've got guys. They're pretty well stocked at guard with, with some good talent and guys who maybe haven't played a ton, but. Were, were reasonably well recruited enough that you think they could step in at guard. Guard's not exactly the the main position that you think is. Oh my God, we're starting a freshman at guard. Like that's not going to freak you out. You're well, starting a freshman at tackle. That's going to freak you out. Um, but I think that's the big thing is we're LSU is being forced to start a freshman. No matter who wins the job, well, I guess a sophomore could win it, but. A sophomore with very little experience. So we're either going to have a lightly played they're sophomore have to start, or- but they're going to have to play. I mean, because you got Malone. Malone's a senior. Weathersby's a junior. That's your t- your tackles, right? And then you got Brumfield, Clap, and either 
uh, looking at a freshman or a sophomore right there. You're looking at Cushenberry. Yeah, you're probably yeah, Cam. You're, you're right. Cushenberry is, is a is a freshman. So yeah, you, you, it's very likely we're going to be starting a freshman or definitely a sophomore because I think there's no other juniors left. Uh, yeah, I'm trying can't to think, think of anyone because McGee is a sophomore. Yeah, he's a third-year sophomore. Yeah, he's a third-year sophomore. I, I will say this. Look, Cushenberry's uh, uh, a redshirt freshman, so he's not. Yeah, at least, yeah. At least I, I mean, like if there's another like, like they were going to play him anyway, but. I, I, you know, I just, But now it really comes down to, wow, A, no one can get hurt. <laughs> oh, <laughs> or no. At least not early on. Um, but I think that becomes a huge big camp battle because – you know, right guard was on lockdown. It was going to be, you know, that was Tehama's job. You know, like yep. we 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 knew that. You know, you had clap and te- that was actually the strength of the line. You know, with uh, Brumfield, clap, Tehama, right in the middle. Okay, maybe you had a little bit of worry on the tackles, but the guards, the interior of the line was rock solid set. And now there's probably going to be a freshman starting uh, with a. Yep. Uh, I would say Cushenberry is in the lead for the job, but do you it's have you, him or Donovan Campbell? One of those two. Okay. You know, and the big thing was if you did have an injury at tackle, you could slide out to Huma. Yeah. And, and play, you know, you, you would have felt better about slotting out to Huma because he's played tackle some and then playing one of the other guys at guard. And it wouldn't be ideal, but you, 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 You've done that. You, he's played that spot. You know he won't go out there and be a complete turnstile. And now if one of those tackles goes down, you're either going to be playing a true freshman in Austin Deculis or Deculis. I still don't actually know how to pronounce his last name. Or uh, or Adrian McGee, who's never actually played in games. You know, Or do you move uh, Clap from center back to tackle? No, I think he's going to be center. Maybe he would be guard. I know that that was that was part of the thing with Cushenberry was they liked him so much that they actually thought about well maybe we will play him at center and just move Clap back to guard, but it, it it's pretty I think it seems pretty set in stone now that Clap's gonna stay at center okay. and Cushenberry's either gonna play left guard or or be a backup. Yeah, from okay. every, everything I read, it seems like Grimes likes Clap it's likes experience at center and Clap makes the most sense there. But yeah, it seems like Cushenberry is the top choice at right guard. I mean, he's getting a lot of positive press, and obviously the yeah. And staff I know that they, they feel good. They feel good about him, so to speak. But obviously, they wanted Tehuma over him, so <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it's 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 not an ideal situation. You know, people may finally get what they've been wanting in terms of a spread offense because they just may have to just to help protect Etling a little bit better and get the ball out quicker. Yeah, I think it yeah. like we've had we've had these ongoing discussions. I know Tozer, you've been critical of the offensive line for several years, but you, we the lines have rated really high on a bunch of advanced metrics. Our fans get frustrated because they've had some really porous performances, particularly against Alabama, which there's no shame in that really because Alabama crushes kind of everyone. But it it's. It's kind of been an ongoing saga where people are like, I don't really think Grimes is worth it. And then, like, on signing day, he pulls in, like, a bunch of really good players. But then you have to start saying, well, what good is it to pull those players if they just all bail within two years anyways? Well, 
okay, I'll, I'll criticize one Allen leaving because you know that's a five star recruit, the freshman. But the rest of the, the guys who left, um, I mean, the other freshmen who left, nah. I mean, they, they weren't real critical pieces. I mean, that's just you kind they were, of your normal. They were all big time recruits, but they weren't. Yeah, they weren't. I mean, critical. Uh, those are guys who have been passed on the depth chart, basically, and that's kind of what happens. Guys get. And if you're already getting passed up as a freshman, sophomore, the writing's on the wall. Uh, you need to get the first guys who were transferring out, like in January and, and February, were going to much smaller programs. Yes. Well, yeah. like Chidi, o- <coughs> excuse me. Yeah, Chidi Okafor. You know, like that seemed like a huge loss, but he wound up at what, like Eastern Kentucky or something, and it's like, yeah, like that kind of that's kind of it's no. yeah, it's more. And look, I don't think it's like Grimes. How long has he been the offensive line coach? It hasn't been that long because three years. I think he, yeah, like three years. He was Lyle's senior year, and then so he was fourteen was his first year, fourteen fifth. So he's going into okay, his so it's a little bit longer than I thought. But the offensive line last year was actually I've been critical of the line, but last year the line I thought showed up. I, I thought we had one of the better lines. Um, our rushing hour average was up. We weren't letting up a ton of sacks. I think the line performed last year. Uh, it was the first time where traditional metrics lined up with the advanced metrics. So uh, I'm, I'm going to give them a pass on performance, and that's why this year was so encouraging. It's like, okay, we finally have a system in there. There's a returning a, a bunch of talent, not everybody, but there was a, enough experience where you felt pretty confident going in, and now it almost feels like you're back at the drawing board. It's And, and it's – it's a weird situation because it's not like he's been striking out with, you know, kind of these project players that everybody was kind of unsure of. I mean, Chidi Okiki was a five-star recruit. Willie Allen yeah. was a, a four-star recruit. George Brown was a four-star recruit. These were all guys that, that could have gone anywhere. And it's like, oh, great, we got these guys. And then they're just not staying. And some of, it, some of it's been, you know, like you said, it's guys who weren't important. George Brown, I know when he left, they tried to talk him into staying with basically like, look, you're not playing now, but next year you will be. And he, sure enough, he would have been competing for a starting job this year. Yeah, he'd probably and be. Billy Allen's kind of the same deal. Like he's not competing. Yeah, this year are you starting? No. Next year probably. And if you transfer somewhere, you're sitting out a year, and then you're okay. Yeah, sure. They're promising you a starting job. Well, you'd have a starting job here. <laughs> and also, it's like, how often do offensive linemen start as freshmen? Yeah. You're seeing it more often. But it's it's still not you, it's not not the plan. Like you you shouldn't be going in thinking it's okay. We're just going to play this guy. Yeah, I, I mean, like it's the one position where experience matters the most. Yeah, old man strength. Yeah, big fan of old man strength. I just think it's an interesting question. But I mean, to, I've seen people making the argument of like, oh, we got to get rid of Grimes, and I. To which I would just say he was hired by Miles. He's been hired by other good coaches. And Ogeron had the opportunity to replace him and didn't. So OC's value in him. You know, like I, yeah. feel, I feel like if he didn't think he was worth it, he would be like, yeah, let's let him go. Let's move on. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not down on Grimes. I think we, we played really well last year. I think there was improvement. And I thought this was the year we were kind of peaking towards, which is pretty good when you're going to you know start under a new coach. And honestly – I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt of performance. Like it's not like the line has been decimated. I mean, you still have, you know, four guys who have some pretty decent experience. Two guys who have a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Malone and Clapp are. I, I don't think anybody's really worried about those two guys. 
Really? There's some concern about Malone at left really tackle. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, want to play, play that left. left but, but I mean, if, if worse comes to worse, you you know you slide in one of the talented freshmen and you move Malone to the interior. I, I don't think there's any worry about Malone playing. Yeah, that, that it's not worried about Brumfield being terrible. Like, I, yeah. I, will he be great? I don't know. But he's he's a, a what a fourth year junior. He'll be fine. Yeah, that's kind of you know, that's kind of the same thing with I mean, Weathersby. I've more than enough confidence with him. So I'm, I don't really think it's this disaster. It sounds bad because was it? It's now five linemen since, or is it just four? It's either four or five since the bowl game have left the program. But really, it's just the one. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. really just uh, Tehuma that matters. And from a long-term yeah. person, like recruiting long-term really matters. Well, I mean, from a long-term recruiting perspective, looking at it, I think there's a couple issues to talk about too. Just in general, I guess we can transition into talking about whole roster turnover because there have yeah. been several people leave for various reasons, and that's a typical of a new coach. Even if even though Ozeron's yeah. been in the fold, it just always happens with new coaches. I agree, and I think it also, you know, I've talked to some people that say like recruiting has changed a bit since O took over full time, so. I think it is fair to say, like, maybe not all of these guys were guys Grimes loved as a coach. I don't know. You know, I don't know how much freedom he had to, to pick his guys when Very possible. under Miles. Like, it, and, and, yeah, most of them, it's been guys who you, you kind of like, okay, I get it. The, you know, Willie Allen was probably the one who it's like, okay, but you're going to play here eventually. You're not yeah. playing now. But a lot of these guys are like, yeah, no, he's not going to play. Yeah, or, or you know, in some cases, like like Isaiah Washington, he got hurt. It's you know, yeah, you kind of you 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 were gonna play, and then you got hurt, and then the guys just kind of passed you up, and it's unfortunate, but that happens. Like yeah, most I, of them in the in the micro, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you hate to lose this much depth, but it's also like someone like Hokiki. You're just like, okay, this guy's gonna be a stud when he came in there, and I know he's still early in his career, but it not, didn't really pan out. And he, he didn't really see the field much. I mean, forget about starting, but he, he wasn't playing much at all. And when he transferred out, there weren't a whole lot of offers waiting for him, which tells you mm-hmm. kind of everything you need to know about him. Like, it's hard when you've been a four or five star talent to come to college and then get passed up by other people. That's never happened to you before. And not every player reacts well to that. Like some yeah, players are like, okay, well, oh, wow, I've got to get better. This is how good college players are. You know, I came to the best program, one of the best programs in the country. I have to up my game if I want to play because these guys are all great. That's the attitude you want. But not every player has that. Some of them are like, hey, look, I'm, you know, I'm hot shit. I'm, I should be playing. And when you're not, it just gets frustrating. And, you know, you find your way shipped out. Like, you know, everybody starts talking past you. The coaches don't meet any eye anymore. And this kind of dovetails into the other big first week story, which is that Jacoby's five-star safety Jacoby Stevens may wind up playing offense. I, I think that's awesome. I, I'm really. Oh, excited. I think it's it's a wonderful sign because basically it basically comes down to they were like, okay, look, this guy's a, a great athlete. We might not be able to get him on the field at safety. Let's just try and get him on the field. Like they're even reserving the right to move him back to safety if they think that's what works. They're they're just looking at it as. We'd rather give you a, a shot to get on the field somewhere 
than just say, oh, well, you're the fourth safety, so you're going to play on special teams. Yep, yep, I agree. It's, I, I loved it. That was a great decision. You take a position that we have crazy depth and talent and take out a player and add him to a pool where we have a lot more questions. So what is not to like about the decision? I mean, I, don't, yeah. I saw some people and, question it. Like, he's, he's going to be a stud at safety. He's like, yeah, but he could probably be a stud at wide receiver. Like, this yeah, guy went to uh, All-American game and just, like, torched every DB there while he played wide receiver in practice. So I think he'll be fine. Yeah, and supposedly there were other schools that were, you know, the schools that were just trying to take him from LSU were very much telling him, like, hey, do you do you want to play offense? If you want to play offense, we'll let you play offense. <laughs> that, that's the kind of athlete he is. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you look at – and also, it's not like it hurts the safety depth chart. No. I mean, I mean, because you have you know Paris and Battle starting at the safety positions, and but then even behind them, Grant Delpit, from everything I've heard, is you know just coming on the gangbusters. I mean, Coach O has mentioned him several times. Yeah. Um, you know, you have even Todd Harris, Eric Monroe, yeah. Todd Harris. I mean, this is it's it's a loaded group, and almost all of them are freshmen outside the two outside of the starters. First or second year guys. I mean, Eric, shoot, Eric Monroe was was he the, was what, what top five safety in his class? And yeah, like number for, one or two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're expecting this guy to be a baller. I mean, he hasn't. You know, he was a redshirt freshman. He, you know, he didn't step on the field last year. So and and then you have Todd Harris, who last year was kind of the the afterthought safety recruit, who local kid. And I remember watching his highlights and being like. Okay, y'all want to take him? That's fine, but he's clearly not as good as Delpit and Stevens. And by all accounts, he's probably he might be ahead of Stevens at safety, which is part of why they're like, well, we can just try him somewhere else because we've got so many guys at this one spot. Yeah, and it's 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 a great problem to have. You have two upperclassmen who have the starting position on lockdown, and then you have a bunch of incredibly talented freshmen who are trying to steal their jobs. That's kind of the best scenario yep. as long as no one get hurt. So I think a lot of these guys are going to see the field this year. I mean, even a guy like Ed Paris, I mean, Dan will remember Ed Paris. That, he was a huge recruit. Yeah. He was yes. like a top 50 player. <laughs> and like, he's barely done anything and they tried him at corner corner didn't really work out. And he, now he's a senior and he's going to probably start at, at one of the safety spots. And it's, he, and some people are still trying to, to kind of, put Delpit and, and those guys past him. It's, it's just unreal, an unreal amount of depth. We'll just have to see how it pans out on the field. <laughs> and that's kind of what the wide receiver pool looks like. It's just all untested. You, you, you know, yeah. you have Chark out there, that's but you just dramatically more untested. All of these freshmen and sophomores who we've heard. So, I mean, last, you know, what is it now? It's two years ago. The uh, recruiting class for wide receivers was supposed to be great. They didn't do much their freshman year. Now they're here as their sophomore. They have an offense that's supposed to be a little bit more conducive to their talents. It's going to be a real war to get on the field as a wide receiver as well. There's a lot of really talented players here. Yep. And one thing, the the uh, the transfer from Texas Tech, something that, you know, we're kind of he's kind of out of sight, out of mind because he can't play this year, but you, you are going to have the advantage of having him in the classroom and having him help kind of set that tone in practice and, yep. you know, Look, you, if you guys ain't ready, I'm gonna take all your spots next year. Because <laughs> he's a guy that's done it. I mean, he's, he's yeah, he's a producer at Texas Tech. Not just like, oh, he was a four star that didn't work out at Tech. No, like he was their best wide receiver. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, then you a, have the prospect actually catching the ball some. So. so have we heard any rumors out of camp other than the – because that's the big news that's happened, isn't it? Have we heard any just scuttlebutt floating around from the team? No, nothing too – I mean, it, 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 that's where it's well, it's only been three practices. They haven't put pads on. You know, it, it's keep guys healthy, see see who's where. We'll, we'll figure the rest out when, when word starts to filter out from the uh, – I shouldn't say the, the scrimmages, the preseason games, because that's what we're calling them now. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty funny. <clears throat> yeah, it seems like it's just – all quiet on the Western front. To, or, see, you have your typical uh, camp hype. Yeah. You, you know, of cycling. And then I guess. I did see uh, Bruce Feldman tweet out something about uh, Clyde yeah. Edwards Hila. Which, yeah. which that's, a, me, that's, a, you know, that's good. <laughs> yeah. To me, that's like, oh, shot him a text that said, hey, we like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he, he was one. Someone who just kind of afterthought everybody was just kind of like, oh, he's just a scat back. And like, well, we're kind of moving to an offense that's going to use those kind of players. And he's not, it's not like people treat him, like say he's small. And it's like, he's not like he's 185 pounds. He's 200 pounds. I never, I never understood that. Like, I felt like he really got shafted because he's short. I'm like, like we just went through a decade of Maurice Jones Drew like wrecking fools. (laughs) This dude is 5'8", 208. He's he's better at college. Yeah. Like, I I don't know. We have a use case for, like, this exact type of player being very good. So what? And if you watch his tape, like, he's he's had some injury issues. So I guess that's a concern. But he's pretty electric. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with him. Because, I mean, we know Canada likes to use that jet sweep. And we saw in the spring game. In the spring game, he used a little bit of it with um, – Daryl Williams kind of in the fullback slot, but in that wing formation where he can still run the sweep. Mm-hmm. So you could you could do that with Ice. You yeah. can do that with a with uh with Edwards Hilaire. And it's one of those things where when that hits, that's gonna really hit. <laughs> you know, it's like the whole defense is gonna go one way with that inside zone fake, and then oh, it, here pops out Edwards Hilaire going the other way, wide open. And so it's that could be a lot of fun to watch. So is Nick Brossett worried? No, I think he plays too. I think I think they're. I mean, this is still going to be a run-heavy team. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, you've got the best back in the SEC, and then behind him, I mean, I know Daryl Williams has never been flashy or great, but once again, he's a good short yardage back. He is what he is, and he's a, a senior trying to to do what he can to get to the NFL. So once again, old man strength comes into play. He's got, yeah, I'm not. I'm not not too worried about Williams. We know what we get with him. He, he's gonna, he's a guy who's gonna be brought in on third and two. He's he's got the uh, best shape of his life uh, praise on. What him. was it, Daryl Williams? You said best for shape of his life. I can't remember who had the the first to camp. That but. was uh, I think that was in spring. They were saying like he's really taken to everything and got oh, himself good. in a good shape and everything. Yeah. No. And Brissett, uh, Brissett's, uh the the new running backs coach Tommy Robinson had recruited Brissett really hard when he was coming out of high school. So I think that, you know, there's that relationship there too. That's probably going to help. And, and it's kind of, it's, it shapes up to be the same thing where Brissett, I don't know that he has a huge role this year, but then next year as I guess he'll be a junior by then, but it'll be a fourth year junior. Senior. He's kind of set up to step in. Oh, will he be a senior? Yeah. Yeah. He's a junior this year. Then he's going to be set up to, I mean, when's the last time else you had a senior starting running back? God, I don't 
And that's really pro- – I mean, just, just the idea of what, you know, a, 20, a 22-year-old running over 19-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, Brosette is kind of my uh, under-the-radar guy that could make an impact this year because he's a really gifted recruit. That's what's going to be interesting to see with Canada because his offense at Pitt, the guys who, who got the most use were very, very defined – but he found ways to create big plays for a lot of different guys. So I don't know that you'll see Brissett have, you know, a big, uh, you know, 50, 60 carries on the year, but you might see him pop a couple of, a, a couple of big games because yeah. they put him in at that yeah. right spot. Exactly. And run that right play. Yep. I totally agree. And I think the other big thing is um, how healthy do we think Arden Key is? Uh, is he going to be ready for the season? And if not, who is who the heck is going to play out there because he's the key player to our defense. Well, I know they like Andre Anthony as a backup. They, they, they were very, very excited about him. Not like, Oh, it'll be okay. He'll be, he'll be Arden key because I mean, Arden key is going to probably be a top five draft pick next year, but they're they're pretty confident in him. And then Caleb on chase on looks pretty beastly. I mean, he looks every bit of 240 pounds. When you see pictures of him, yeah, he's the guy I'm excited about. I, I, I'm I'm really excited about Kalev and Chason. I, I think I think very good things about him. I uh, yeah. may or may not be working on a piece about this, so I'll, just, oh, so I'll hold my arguments for that. You don't want to spoil it? All right, well that's fine. Well, we didn't want to talk to you anyway. <laughs> well, I, one thing I do think it's going to be interesting. The thing that I don't think anyone's really talking about is early on. You've got a couple of good offensive teams on the schedule. You get BYU with um, is it Tanner? It, it Taysom Hill's the one that graduated. Tanner Mangum's the one, uh, other one who's been there a million yeah. years. <laughs> so they still got him. So you've got a good quarterback. You got Mississippi State. You got Nick Fitzgerald. You've got Troy, who you know Neil Brown coach team. You know they're going to be well coached on offense. They're not, and and they're going to come in with confidence. With they're going to come in believing they can beat LSU. Okay. Whether that's they fair. can or not is another issue, but they're, but they're they're not going to come in and just be like, whatever, we're here for a paycheck. And then you've got Syracuse, who's going to run that Baylor offense for that pace. So to me, I think the offense needs to be on point fast, and the defense may take some lumps early before you get into the meat of the schedule, just because you're facing some well coached offenses and different styles of offense too. Yeah. I- the one thing that does make me feel better is that the defense is still the strength of the team. Um, from a talent standpoint, I know they lost a lot. Uh, um, you know, they lost a Trey White. They lost Jamal Adams. This is still a pretty loaded defense. The the talent's pr- it's pretty stout. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, your corners, I, I Kevin Tolliver, who looks like he's in shape. And basically owning, like, yeah, I kind of sucked as a sophomore, so I'm here to play better. That's a scary thought because he looked really good as a freshman before before he started the struggle. Yeah, I think that's a big thing is that Tolliver – I think people forgot how good Tolliver was as a freshman. And but, then you yeah. had Don Jackson. You've got – I mean, you got a five-star in Christian Fulton who we're still kind of waiting to see what he can do. Yeah, he, I mean, he'll get on the field because, you know, we're going to play more than two – you know, cornerbacks, but, and also like on the linebacking core, you're going to have Michael Divinity who hasn't quite hit the field yet. I mean, he's had a little bit of time. 
I'm a huge fan of Devin White. Uh, he's going to be a starter this year. Um, Donnie Alexander kind yeah. of struggled his first game when he got in for, you know, when Beckwith got hurt, but then came back in the next two games and played really, really well against Texas A&M and against Louisville. And that kind of goes with my Aranda theory that, you know, he's a senior linebacker. Uh, I'm actually pretty confident in Don- Donnie Alexander's ability. Um, that's the kind of guy that Aranda turns into a star. He's yeah. also been really talking up Corey Thompson, too. Yeah, yes. Yeah, he's, he called Corey Thompson one of the best pass rushers on the team, which is kind of, I mean, think about how old Corey Thompson is at this point. He yeah, what is with he like? Shepard. <laughs> I mean, was it Corey Thompson graduated a year ago? Yeah. And, and is still on the team. I mean, he was, he was the replacement recruit for Landon Collins when Landon Collins chose to go to Alabama. Corey Thompson was the next guy they called and, and got the yeah. commit. Landon Collins is going to be in his third NFL season. <laughs> Stolen from a- uh, A&M. <laughs> he was an A&M commit for a while. Uh, look, we don't brag about beating A&M around here. That's just, that's just expected. <laughs> I brag about all my victories. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got, you got uh, Rashard Lawrence up in the, on the defensive line who they've basically – just they're basically just assuming he's going to be he's going to be amazing at this but, point. Like the defense gets a lot more benefit of the doubt from me. It's going to be Aranda's second year. Um, it was a really good unit last year, but there's still there's always growing pains in your first year. Um, it's one of the better defensive coaches in the country. Coach O himself is also a defensive guy. Um, just the raw talent they have on the on the defense, the depth. Um, you look at the defense, even though even places they were replacing people, you don't look at the line and go, oh, wow, that's a pretty big hole. Which yeah. you can't, you yeah. know, on offense, you're like, okay, here's a question mark, here's a question mark, here's a question mark. That doesn't mean they're not, you can't overcome that stuff. But the offense has a lot of, there's, there's just questions the entire way through. The defense yeah. is really the unit they're going to lean on. And I think for the reason you pointed out, they're going to be playing some really good offenses. So they're going to need the unit to be playing its best because they're going to have to contain those units. Cause I don't think we can win a shootout. And that's, and that's where I'm, I'm a little worried about that early part of the schedule. Like I know the defense will come together eventually, but can, is it ready to go and shut down good teams kind of right out the shoot? I, I think there's, it's not like it's changed that much from last year. A lot of these guys have seen the field. I mean, yeah. and a lot of it. I mean, I mean, yes, you're missing a couple of stars here and there, but look, you know, like you lose Trey White, but both cornerbacks are essentially returning starters, Tolliver and Jackson. So, yes, we're going to miss Trey White, but if Tolliver takes a step up, then we're not going to miss Trey White. I mean, this is what we've always done. No, uh, and and uh, you, you definitely have a good point. And well, one thing that, that really, really interests me is I think you might see, especially now that, that they've kind of loaded up at linebacker a little bit, you might see more of a classic 3-4 look and see Aranda get a little more creative with what he does because, you know, by his own admission, last year he was still kind of just using a lot of basic 4-3 kind of stuff, you know, letting Arden Key just kind of line up in a two-point stance and rush because that's what he was good at. Yeah. With, with, with some of the, the freshman linebackers coming in, he might be a little more willing to, to play around a little bit. And that could, that could be, that could be exciting to watch too. Yeah. I think that's one of the advantages of the second year. It's like, it's, it's easier to learn something than to unlearn something. And a lot of players on the team had to unlearn how they play defense. Cause the four, three to three, four is a pretty dramatic shift. Yep. 
I'm staying quiet because this is like everything I'm writing about. So, see, we, we're, <laughs> we're just stealing your thunder. I'm enjoying see, no, the discussion. I, we're we're complimenting this. I think. I think this is. I, I call this complimentary. So yeah, we're, we're wetting people's ap- appetite. Well, That's okay. Know, Seth's got something cooking on offense. Oh so. boy. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a little bit of a take, so it's good to hear you guys sort of backing up some of my thoughts. I'll say that much. No, it's it's going to be it's it's going to be exciting. I, I, I'm very curious to see how how that how, like I said how that defense hits the ground running because it's not just that you're facing good offense, but you're facing a little bit of variety because you're going from. BYU, who's kind of pro style, to, to Mississippi State, who you know you got yeah. Fitzgerald and and let's face it, running quarterbacks have given us fits. And to then one style of spread, and then to Syracuse, who I mean, at this point, playing the Baylor offense is almost like, oh, you've got to play Georgia Tech in the middle of the year because it's something <laughs> you're not. It's something you're not going to see the rest of the year. It's yeah. it's a it's a very specific style with very specific formations, a different pace. You know that the it, everything's a run pass option. That it's not something you're going to see the rest of the year. So it's it on a short week. It, it it's hard to prepare for. I will say though, the one thing LSU has going for them is the way you stop that style of offense is you have big giant physical corners who can jam those receivers at the line, and LSU's got that. Yeah. Uh, and that's where it comes back to is LSU has a lot of talent on defense. And look, there's talent on offense, but it's really unproven. The the defense, I know what I got. <laughs> and even the freshmen who I've never seen before, I have confidence they're just going to be, you know, they're just going to be assimilated into the Borg. Um, I don't worry as much about a new guy coming in to the defense just because that each unit is so self-sufficient. They can just, you know, that's definitely next man up. And the offense has not won that kind of benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I mean, at, at a minimum, you, you're fairly confident the offense is just going to be able to lean on, lean on guys, have him put up big games. You're hoping for more than that. I do, I do think Shark's going to do really, really well in this. We already know he can run the ball a bit. You know, he should fit into the kind of that jet sweep game really, really well. The question is just everybody else, but I also think your, your tight ends are going to get involved. I think you're going to see, you know, John David Moore catch a few passes. I'm hoping you're going to see guys instead of just getting 25 carries a game, maybe get a couple passes and, you know, be used as a receiver down the field a little bit. You know, it, it's it should be it, it, it's it's a, it just sets up to be a fun season. Like I'm excited just to see some something different. I, I think that's the big thing is everyone's looking for something different, and so even. Like, even if it's not a successful season, they'll lose in a new way, and that is kind of nice. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I know that sounds like a very cynical way to say it, but I, I am excited about the newness of it. There is – there's more nervousness about the season because you don't know what to expect out of things. And, and in some ways, the pressure's off. Like, I don't think anyone expects this team to, to go out and, and win the conference or anything like that. Like, I expect them to have a shot, but – yeah, it, it comes down to Bama's so much better than everybody this year. But look, the conference mm-hmm. is down. It's not an impressive. Ta- it's not an impressive array of teams. And, no, they they can beat everybody else in the West. I think. It's, and look, and you know, it, it, they have a puncher's chance against Alabama. But even failing that, like they're every other game on the schedule, LSU is it's not only winnable. LSU will probably be favored in every game they play this year, except 
for the Bama game. The Auburn game is kind of a coin flip, but since it's at home, I'm going to say LSU will probably be favored when it rolls. The Florida back. game, well, Florida will probably be a slight favorite, I think, in that game. But that's yeah. just because it's in Florida. But I, you know, if you look at it, like we're talking about a LSU, when it comes down to it, will be favored to go ten and two. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah I think ten and two, nine and three, somewhere. I mean, it just depends on the, the breaks you catch. I mean, shoot, you look at last year where you were. How many points away from from eight and four and ten and two or what? I, I, I mean, yeah, eight and four and ten and two are basically two plays. Look, they played four close games and lost all of them, and that's you know that, that's a very unlucky season at the end of the day. But you know that's why they play the game because sometimes you're lucky and sometimes you ain't. The schedule who finished in the S and P top four. Yeah. So. And the other games were all blowouts. Yeah, they just blew everyone else out. That that's, does give me confidence for this year. It's less like you look around. They need to be able to keep that same kind of focus because they did get a jolt in the middle of the year because of the Miles firing where, you know, there, it was a wake-up call for everybody. But they need to have that same kind of intensity against lesser opponents this year. Just, you know, put the foot on the, foot on the neck and blow teams out. And when they kill them, have them stay dead. Oh, and that's also how you prepare for – the future going forward and, and figure out who's the starting quarterback next year, who, you know, are we redshirting all the freshmen or are we playing guys to see who we think can play next year? You know, is it Justin McMillan? Is it Lindsey Scott? So on and so forth. Yeah, that'll be an interesting, I, I feel like at Lane, I've had few people ask me this on Twitter. I'm sure you guys have too, but like, I feel like Etling will take every snap unless he gets hurt. I mean, yes. until garbage time, obviously. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I agree, I agree with that. I, I think, I, I think he'll do well. I don't know that he'll be great, but I, I don't think he's going to go out there and throw, out, throw up on himself. I, I think the job's over. If, if he was going to lose the job, he would have lost in the spring. It, it's yeah. over. The, you know, the, he, the quarterback competition is, no longer exists. It, it is Etling's job. Yeah. No, that's I mean the one the one interesting thing that I didn't expect coming out of spring was how much I heard about Justin McMillan because I think everybody had just kind of written him off and by the end of it he wasn't necessarily challenging Etling but he was playing well enough he put distance between himself and the next group. Like he was uh, clearly uh, to. And that is kind of cons- I don't want to say concerning, but I think people were expecting Lindsey Scott to be the number two guy. And mm-hmm. so he, I'm hoping it's because McMillan's playing so well and not that Scott's playing so poorly. The biggest thing I've heard is that's been described to me is he very much kind of took it as, okay, clean slate. I'm going to just go out there and just ball. And very much kind of just took it on. Like, I, I know that I am better than Lindsey Scott. I am better than Lowell Narcisse. I'm going to go out there and show it. Which is good. You want quarter. You want confidence. And look, I watched a lot of McMillan in high school, and I know he makes good decisions and he can run the football. They actually said he threw he threw one of the better balls on the team too. Yeah, when when you know when he played in high school, I mean he they did a lot of the throw it to Demarcus Lodge play, Um, but his high school you know in in high school their offense was based on running the ball, and he, he he can. 
he gives mobility. And, and so if we do see McMillan this year without an Atling injury, it might be in one of those situations where they're just trying to mix things up and put a running quarterback back there and, you know, keep defenses honest and like, you know, have some RPOs or something like that. Um, I don't think he, I don't think that means he's going to start over Etling or he's going to be challenging for the job, yeah, but right. he might be a change. You could see him as a change of pace. I, I, no, I think they're going to stick with Etling. I don't think I don't think they're going to change things up too much. And one thing to remember about Etling is he's not a runner, but he can move. He's I agree. Not, he's not a statue. Like he can. Honestly, he was a better runner than Brendan Harris, be, partly because Brendan Harris just kind of ran himself into pressure all the time. Oh, Brendan Harris. Etling could could escape and kind of buy time and, and just had a, a feel for the pocket feel for stepping up and you know the, those one or two the, those little peyton manning little yeah you know, no, I agree that. that freeze people the one that worries me about etling in his scrambling ability is he did sometimes uh run himself into big hits uh oh, yeah. got, no, you're, that's, this is that's a guy who, he's a competitor <laughs> and he wants to get that extra yard this is a guy who needs to learn to go down yep. like that extra yard is not that important Etling took some shots he didn't need to take last year. And yeah, that Auburn game really – he got rocked early on in that game. Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah. So you would like to see him just, look, eat the ball, give up the yard. Yeah, It's not your yeah. job to be getting that extra – hey, if it's third down, I get it. But, like, yeah. most of the time it's not your job to be taking those kind of hits. We need you healthy. We, we, I would agree. We have failed to discuss the special teams, the most important development in all of spring. What was that? Uh, o said they're kicking it out of the end zone. Oh, thank God. <laughs> oh, thank uh, God. Uh, the fact that you had that even, when, every time a team squib kicks it, I die a little inside. It, it's almost like when they. It, it's almost as bad as teams that go in the shotgun on fourth and short. Well, no, it was worse because we didn't even squib it all the time. We would always do that kick where it was the returnable kick, where it was like, oh, we'll kick it down to the one and we'll pin them deep. No, that never – stop that. Like just kick it out of the end zone and move on with your lives. So You know when that worked when you had Tyron Matthew and Ron Brooks running running everything down? Okay, okay, admittedly, yes. That's when – that's when when you had two NFL – when you had an NFL all-star safety and a really good – cornerback doing that if you have one of the best players in college football history feel free to directionally kick otherwise just kick it out of the back of the end zone if uh, let's start on the 25 like it's it's i get get mad when teams do i get mad when teams do it at the end of the game when it's like oh we've got we've got 10 seconds left we're gonna squib it and give it to him at the at the 40 or you could kick it out the back of the end zone and say, okay, throw a 75-yard Hail Mary. Have yes, fun. because the kickoff return is the most dangerous play anyway. <laughs> like, you don't want to give them give time to return. Crazy capital kick returns. Don't, don't encourage exactly. them. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, make them – make it so that they can beat you on they, – they have a chance to beat you on one long play. Not, oh, well, maybe they can make a few things happen on this random crazy scrum play. Like, no, no, yeah. no. Make them just throw one pass, win or lose. Oh, yeah, no. That's uh, it. So, yeah, I did not know that. So, good. I'm glad Cameron Gamble is going to have a chance to show off his leg. Because I've always – I've seen him practice. I can see him smack the ball in the end zone. I know he can do it. So I don't think he's, he's – I don't think he's on the – I think it, it's between Culp and, 
and Jack Gonsolin. Gonsolin. Is it? Uh, like that. Yeah. Because I, I know late last year that, that that's one of the things that O had told Pivato after he took over the head coaching job. Like, yeah, no, enough of that. Yeah. Take it out of the end zone. And Gamble apparently couldn't. Uh, if he can't do it, then all right. Then it's Connor Culp time. Let's do this. Yeah. Uh, well, that'll, that'll be fun to watch with our new special teams coach by committee. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, should we do it? A, bo- a lot of people freak out about that, but the, when you look it up, a, a lot of programs do yeah, so I'm not, yeah, that's not a big deal. No, it, no. It's, it's really not as – now, granted, those are teams that haven't weaponized special teams to the degree that LSU has in recent years. But you, if if you have a really good offense, really good defense, you don't have to have special teams that can, you know, blow a game open. It's great if you do, but it's a lot. It's a lot more fun, and it's just a lot less taxing. Be really good on offense and defense. Yeah, we'll we'll see who emerges as the kick returner this year. There there might be some spectacular returns anyway. There's a lot of athletes back there. That is Maybe LSU can finally have a kickoff return for a touchdown at Tiger Stadium for the first time since 1918. God, it's been that long? Yep, Eric Martin. God. Eric, the last kickoff return for a touchdown in Tiger Stadium. They've had them on the road. Trenton Holiday yeah. had a couple on the road. They've had plenty of punt returns. Oh, yeah, tons of punt they returns. They have not had a kickoff return for a touchdown in Tiger Stadium since 1980. Eric Martin is the last player to do it. They've had a field goal returned. For a score. I know. Man. I've not had a kickoff turn. Maybe Drake Davis or Derek Dillon can break the streak. All right. We'll see. 